Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So when I take the yoke, it's a form of apprenticeship. It's a form of discipleship it's it's a lifestyle that's going to take place god says come on you're saved take my yoke are you yoked with god see it doesn't stop at come to me doesn't stop there doesn't stop there he said there's another step take my yoke What happens at the moment of your salvation is quite possibly one of the most pivotal moments of your life. When you accepted Christ, did you say, thanks God, I've got it from here? Well, for many Christians, that's exactly what happens. But in today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that there was more than just an invitation to rest or salvation. There was also an invitation to discipleship. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Have you stopped short of what God offers you? Have you accepted his offer to learn from him and be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, My Yoke Fits Perfectly. In spite of rejection, he gives three invitations. That's incredible. You and I would never do it. Let's see what these three are as we look at verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So Jesus says, in spite of this continuing rejection, if you'll admit your need of God, if you'll admit you can't do life alone, if you'll repent, then, well, I'm offering you these incredible invitations that will lead to rest in your life. As we taught last week, opportunity brings responsibility. First of the three, and I want you to write them down and get them and kind of burn them into your heart today. Number one. Come, Jesus says, come to me. What is that? Well, it's an invitation to salvation and eternal life. He says, come to me. Now, that word come, it really means this. Believe, receive, repent, open your heart. If you're a Christian today, that's the only way you became a Christian. You came to God. You believed, you received, you opened your heart, you repented, and God came in. Notice the second part. He says, not only come, but come to, tell me, to me. Circle that word in your Bible, to me. Notice he didn't say, if you want to get saved, come to Calvary Chapel. That's not his invite. 
Come to the assemblies of God. Come to the Baptist church. Come to the Presbyterian church. That's not his invitation. Notice he doesn't also say this. If you want salvation and rest in your life, come to Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark can't do anything about that. Now, maybe 25 or 30% of you are former Catholics. Let's say I'm a Catholic priest. I don't know what my wife would do, but let's just put me in that case right now. (laughs) Notice the Bible doesn't say, come to Father Mark. Sounds pretty good, though, doesn't it, Father Mark? (laughs) Father Mark can't do anything for you. Some of you were raised with creeds. You went to church, you read all this jazz. Most of it very biblically based. But you like, zipped on through it, never, never even got to your heart. He says, don't quote a creed. I'm not asking you to get water baptized at this moment. No, don't sign the membership thing. He says simply what? Come to me. It's a personal relationship. Way back then, that was the huge difference. Simply come to me. Now, if, if you know how to share the gospel, and you should, you will see this verse in 1 John 5 that's exquisitely clear. Notice what it says. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Let's say every single one of us died instantly, and you appear before God. Well, the destinations would be one of two, heaven or hell. And as you appear before God, this verse screams at you. He who has the Son. You say, well, here's my church membership, and I was a Baptist, and I was a Presbyterian, I was a Catholic, I went through catechism, I went through all this. No, he who has the Son. Well, where did the son have to come? Has to live in your heart. So I can present all of this. If you this morning have never asked Jesus to come into your heart, when you stand before God, your destination is already assured. Notice the second part. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. It's not complicated. It's very simple. Jesus says, first invitation, come to me. That's it. That's it. Now, if you have... Then you have life. And when I stand before God, I don't talk about all my works and all this jazz. I just say, I have a relationship with you. And he says, Mark, I already knew that. Come on in. That's what you and I are looking for. Now, notice Jesus says, come to me. Why should we come to God? Well, he gives us two specific reasons. In your Bibles, what you might want to write at verse 28 is just the word salvation. This is an invitation for salvation. Notice, If you look at that verse, you know why you should come to Christ. Because people were, there's two words there. They were weary and they were what? Tell me. They were burdened. Write these two things down. Number one, people get weary and exhausted in their search for truth. As Jesus looked out among these people, he instinctively knew some things. Number one, that God put eternity in the heart of man. So God is, man is looking for God. They know that they don't do life alone. But Romans 1 tells us that they've kind of been deceived. And they kind of just say, well, I really don't need you. So even as they look for God in their own wisdom and strength, trying to find the answers to life, eventually they get, well, they get very tired and they get very weary. Interesting, in that time, the Greeks had an interesting saying. Listen to it. It is very difficult to find God 
And when you have found him, it's impossible to tell anyone else about him. That's an encouraging statement, isn't it? Hey, you seem to be at peace and rest. What happened? I found God. How'd you find him? I can't tell you. I don't know. What is that? No, that's not it at all. You see, people are searching for truth. Solomon did it. Went down roads of power and possession and prestige and position. And road after road after road, they were all dead ends. You see, if you go down dead after dead end after dead end, pretty soon you're you're exhausted and you're still left with a guilty conscience. Jesus says, come to me. You get rest. I'll take care of your guilty conscience. You won't find it without God. You see, without truth, without truth, life is undoable. Can't do it. It's empty. And your future is incredibly insecure. So Jesus realized this and he just says, come to me. Come to me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. So first of all, Jesus says, you need to come to me, you who are weary, Dead end after dead, trying to do life without God. You're just trying to it. And it isn't working. And you're just flat exhausted. But then there's another one. He says, come to me, those of you who are heavy laden or burdened. What does that mean? Here's what you want to write down. People get burdened by dead religion, rules, and regulations. You see... The Jews believed in God, but they had become so weighed down because of the priests and the rabbis and the scribes and Pharisees. The priests, those people just kept laying on them more dues. Here's the law. Keep it. 613 more. Keep it. And pretty soon, life was like this. Some of you have come from a background like that. Your church experience, maybe younger, was... Well, you never were good enough. People always put you down. In fact, everything was no, 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 and there was no excitement, there was no joy, and it was all this religious rules and regulations, and pretty soon you just forget it. You're burdened down with them. You know, it's like you used to come into church and the the pastor would start, you know, just get beat, 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 and you walk out church, how was it, man? He really laid me open today. I love it. It It's just terrific. Going back next week, yeah, I need another dose. I need another dose. I'm no good. I can't make it. Well, pretty soon you don't go back. I mean, the world offers enough burden, so you don't go back anymore. Now, when you see that, all the people were trying to do was earn their right to be Christians. They were trying to keep the law, but they were burdened down earning it. Keep your finger right there. Turn back to Acts chapter 15. We'll be right back. Acts chapter 15. Scoot down down to verse 7. You see, some of you have been taught you have to earn your salvation. You have to be good enough. So you have to keep these things. And, well, you used to go to church and used to go to this and get this checked off. And you make sure you're here every weekend and all those kind of things. Well, there's a lot to say about discipline and doing those good things. But we don't earn our salvation. In the early church, what happened is the Jews started the church, obviously, who became Christians. And many of them were legalists. They were kind of Judaizers. They They said, if anybody else wants to become a believer, they're going to have to be like us. They're going to have to keep the law and then become Christians. Or they can become a Christian, but they're going to have to keep the law. Well, lots of Gentiles became Christians. 
Gentiles didn't have the law. You say, oh, keep the law. Well, what is the law? Here's the Ten Commandments. Keep them. We never had the Ten Commandments. What do you mean keep them? And so it was a real problem in the church, and they had the kind of this church meeting. And here in Acts 15, we scoot on down to verse 7. Notice Peter finally gets up and he says this. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Now, God, who knows the heart, showed us that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. So Peter says, I shared the gospel. They believed. The Holy Spirit came to live in them. They became Christians. Then he says, he made no distinction between us, Jews, and them, Gentiles. That was hard for some Jews. They couldn't believe that Gentiles could become believers. So Peter says, everyone's the same. God didn't just come from the Jews. For he purified their hearts, circle this in your Bible, by faith. And then he goes on. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples, these new believers, Gentile believers, a yoke, we'll talk about that in a moment, that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? In other words, Peter says, are you going to try to add these rules and regulations? I mean, we go back into generations, my great, 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 great grandfather. He could never, ever be good enough to please God. And it never worked. And you're going to add it to these new people? Notice how clear he makes it. Verse 11. No. We believe it is through the circle, it, grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. Just as they are. So what was he saying? Well, if you're here today and you've got religion and it's got you burdened, get rid of it. Come to Christ by by faith and then grace. That's all you do. You believe that he died for you. You do that. You come to him. Now, look. go back to Matthew. Chapter 11, right where you were, look at verse 28 again. If I come to Christ, whether I'm a kind of a brilliant atheist or agnostic and not sure there's a God, but I finally go, okay, I can't do life alone. Or I'm a religious person, I go, hmm, that's not going to get me there. So I won't be weary anymore and I won't be burdened anymore. What will I get? Notice, I will, circle this word in verse 20, I will give, circle it, I will give you rest. You see, the rest is a gift that comes as a result of accepting Jesus Christ's invitation. Jesus says, you come, I'll gladly give you the gift of salvation. Just believe and receive through that faith and grace. The reason I can do this, well, he hadn't done it yet, but he would. On the cross, Jesus would take all of your sin and all of mine, and he paid for it forever. So I don't have to work for my salvation. By the way, it never works. It never will equal salvation. So I become a believer by those two words, faith, I believe that God died for me, and grace, I accept the gift. Do I earn it? No, I don't. It's a gift. You can earn it. So this was the incredible message. Come to me. I'll give you rest. It's equal to salvation. Then Jesus says something like this. You're now Christians. You're going to heaven. You have the gift of salvation. I'm so glad you accepted me. I've come to live in your heart now. Wonderful. By the way, that's the end of the service. There is no more. 
I have nothing else really to say to you. Glad that you got your free pass to heaven. See you. Service is over. You think that would have been it? Listen very closely. Huge percentage of Christians, their relationship with God stops right here. It's the end. I got what I need. See ya. It doesn't stop here. We only have the first invitation. How many did I tell you there were? Three. You look at your life this morning. Has it stopped here? For the majority of Christians in this country, it stops right here. Because it's all about me. I'll get to church when I want to get there. I'll come when I want to get there. But see, it's all about, you look at your life, it's about you. It's not about God. Thanks for salvation. I couldn't do that part, but the rest, oh, I can do. Wrong. I hope you remember this morning's teaching. God showed me this, these next two phases. And I want to challenge you to accept both of those invitations. You've already turned to Matthew. Let's take a look at the next invitation. See, salvation is the starting point. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Understand what I just did. Say, Pastor Mark, this, this must be your deal. These three invitations, they're your deal. We know who, how you are. You like to exhort people. They're your deal. They're not my deal. I'm teaching what Jesus did. These are three invitations given at one time to people who had just accepted the first. Here's the second invitation. Write it down. Number two, take my yoke. I'll explain that in a moment. That was an invitation. Can't force you. An invitation to discipleship, or a term maybe we're more used to in the real world, apprenticeship. Apprenticeship. Take my yoke. Apprenticeship, discipleship. We know, notice my yoke. You know what a real yoke is, kind of made out of wood and oxen or whatever. When we're in India, we watch this all the time. And these animals are kind of disciplined because, well, that's they can't move out of that. One always takes the lead. So this ox yoke is kind of a picture of discipline, of discipleship. Well, when Jesus said, my yoke, it did mean that, but there was a spiritual application, a metaphor that the Jews knew that we wouldn't understand. You see, in New Testament times, when a young man wanted to become a rabbi, he would listen to these rabbis talk. Now, the rabbis always taught the Torah, and they would have different interpretations. Some would say, this is what it means to follow, this is what this verse means, and somebody else would say, no, this is what the verse means. And what they would do is they would always say, well, I believe this verse means this because... This certain, certain rabbi, Hillel, way back here, said this. They would always quote another rabbi. When Jesus came, he didn't quote other rabbis. He quoted God because he was God. He says, this is what it means. And the people said this. You'll find it many times in the news. Wow. 
We've never heard teaching like that. Why? Because it was the real meaning. It was given with authority. So this yoke, these young men trying to become a rabbi, they'd say this, uh, I want to take your yoke. Well, what that yoke simply meant was the lifestyle of the rabbi. What that meant is spiritually. A yoke was a picture of a submitted lifestyle to the teacher. In other words, by the word yoke, you can just say this. A yoke equals the way of the teacher. Jesus says, take my yoke. I want you to join me in my way of living, my lifestyle. Now, when you had two animals together, usually there would be one that would be the lead. This person, this animal was trained. He knew you put a younger with him and the older one would just show him. So Jesus says, you come and take my yoke. This young boy that wanted to become a rabbi would say, I want to take your yoke, your way of living and model my life after it. I want to be an apprentice. So that's exactly what Jesus says here. He says, I want you to take my yoke. It's not hard for you to get. Here's Jesus. And he says to us, take my yoke. And then he begins a lifestyle. And when he begins a lifestyle, you don't go, I don't want to go that way. You go, I want to be an apprentice. I want to go that way. So we begin, it's a relationship. We're a team. He's the leader. How does me church fit into that? It doesn't. I'll read my Bible when I want to. You know, I have a hard time with finances. I'm not going to give any money to you, God. But I'd like to know what everybody else gives. What is that? It's all about me. So when I take the yoke, it's a form of apprenticeship. It's a form of discipleship. It's it's a lifestyle that's going to take place. God says, come on. You're saved. Take my yoke. Are you yoked with God? See, it doesn't stop at, come to me. doesn't stop there. doesn't stop there. He said, there's another step. Take my yoke. Get yoked. Get yoked with me. We're going to do life together. There's a third one. Write it. He says also... Learn from me. In other words, it's an invitation to an ongoing relationship of becoming like Jesus. I'm not just submitted to God in his way, but my goal is to become like the teacher. I'm the apprentice. I'm looking to become like the master. Jesus offered soul rest salvation to all who had come to him. This is the most important decision we will ever make in life. But in today's message, Pastor Mark challenged us that Jesus' invitation didn't just stop at an invitation to salvation. He offered us his yoke. He offered us to be yoked to him for discipleship. Who better to be yoked to than Jesus Christ? So, an important question for all of us is... Who are you yoked to? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. There is no one you and I could be yoked to that could be any better than Jesus Christ. And He offers us His yoke to become His disciples. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark challenges us that not only did Jesus offer to yoke us to himself for discipleship, but that it is a lifelong relationship of learning. It will last forever. Imagine becoming a lifelong learner of Jesus Christ. How could you say no? We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given